0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan.
1: There might be times that because of you, people can't see Christ, and that I can obscure him uh, through my preaching at times. Today, especially on Good Friday, that cannot happen. And so uh, we were told, in, "In preach in such a way that people can't help but see Christ when they look at you. And so today, as, as we worship Christ, as he always, we want him to be his, his front and center and the work that he has done, especially, especially on Good Friday. Today during our worship, it is going to address your your mind. We are going to be going through the gospel account of Matthew, and we're going to be reading through uh, his account of Christ's suffering and death for sins. And we are also going to uh, be hitting your emotions as well and and giving different images, both in music and as we go through these lessons. Uh, The words are not going to be up there. Uh, Instead, there are going to be images, images uh, that have been throughout history that, that people have reflected, on, on the death of Jesus and what it means for us. And so I invite you to come with us on this journey tonight uh, in our worship. And as we do so, uh, let's begin with prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I take time to ponder now, to meditate on your holy passion. Send your Holy Spirit, endow me with your spirit that, can, that I can be honest before you for such meditation. Grant that I, in love and faith, may your image cherish of your suffering, pain, and death, that I may not perish. Amen. Our first lesson is recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew. It's entitled, Gethsemane and then the Arrest of Jesus. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you not think... that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. And we pray. Dear Lord Jesus, you spent the night before your death in prayer, praying that God's will be done. Help us to keep watch so that we will not fall into temptation. Help us to be vigilant in prayer. Help us to see you as you truly are. You are the Christ the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy and our Savior.
0: Amen. The Savior alone carried the cross for all of my debts. He paid the cost. Salvation complete and now forever I'm free. Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all. And my sin and shame don't count anymore. All praise to the one who has ransomed my soul. Calvary.
1: Lesson two is entitled, Jesus Before the Sanhedrin, and Peter disowns Jesus. Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, whom the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. But they did not find anyone, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped and said, prophesy to us, Messiah. Who hit you? Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away." Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. And we pray. Dear Jesus, you are no stranger to betrayal, denial, and injustice. We confess the times we have denied you because of a different relationship or or our relationship with you is not convenient or we feel that it harms us in some way. Thank you, Lord, for your continued faithfulness to the Father and to us. Amen.
0: Shall come with trumpet sound Oh may I then in him be found Trust in his righteousness alone faultless stand before the throne.
1: Lesson three is entitled, Jesus Before Pilate. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, His blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. This is the word of the Lord, and we pray. Oh, dearest Jesus, What law have you broken that such a sharp sentence should on you be spoken? Of what great crime have you to make confession? What dark transgression? Why do all these sorrows come? Why are you in anguish? It is for my sins, Lord, that you must languish. Yes, Lord, all the wrath and woe you inherit, all this pain is what I merit. Lord, let your holy, innocent blood be on us. We know that it alone washes the way, the stain of sin. Amen. At this time, I ask you, some of you uh, were given a nail when you came in. Uh, others of you do not have one. And so what I'd like you to do right now, there's uh, individuals with some of those nails. If you would bring those nails down, if you need one, just raise your hand. And I also do not have one. So when on your way down, bring one to the stage, please. Okay, while this is going on, this... this, this. Nail is going to be an exercise that, that we're asking everyone here to take part in tonight. And it's going to have a, a number of different things. Thanks, Phil. And as you look at this, this nail is, is a, a symbol of the nail, right, that, that Jesus was nailed to the cross. And as we think about this, I, I want you to think about this nail for right now in this way, that this nail, uh, I want you to be able to associate it with your sin. And I want you to think of, of the times, and we do this at church, don't we? we? We confess our sins, our sins of omission, the things that we don't do that God wants us to do, and our sins of commission, meaning those are the things we do that God tells us not to do. That, that we confess that, that we are sinful, sinful from the time that our mothers conceive us. And it is that sin that, especially on Good Friday, as we look at the cross of Jesus and we see him being found guilty and we see him going to the cross and we see him him suffering and dying, that we need to make the connection between Christ's suffering and our sin. And so at this time, and it's going to be, you're going to have this nail in your hand for a little while now. And what I'd like you to do is take time to think about the different roles that God has given you and how you failed. How I've sinned as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend, as a son, as a brother. All these different roles that I have and and how I have failed, not just the people around me, but rather how against you, you only have I sinned, Lord, and done what is evil in your sight. Those are the words of David in Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And so we take time, and and time for meditation as we do that, to to hold on to this nail, and and especially the things, I would also like you to say the things that bother you, if you have a sin that you are especially ashamed of, or or one that you're especially sensitive about, or one that is especially dividing a relationship you have, or getting you in trouble, whatever it is, take time to to think about that as you hold this nail, uh, and, and consider Uh, what Christ has done as he went to the cross for you. Lesson four is entitled, The Crucifixion of Jesus. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and the other on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him, for he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tomb after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion... And those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. This is the word of the Lord. And at this time, I direct you to your crosswalk notes for the message for today. As we look at Jesus, Son of God on Good Friday, a death like none other. The reading on which this message is based is recorded in John chapter 19, the death of Jesus. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Today, we are going to see Jesus had a death like none other. Before we look at the death of Jesus, I think we need to understand, as we look at a death that was like none other, we need to look at a death that was like many others. And in that way, Jesus had a death that was very similar, was the same as many people who had come before him and many who would come after him. And that was a death by crucifixion. If you go in and do some research about the crucifixion, crucifixion is a historical method of capital punishment in which the victim is tied or nailed to a large wooden beam and left to hang for several days until eventual death from exhaustion and asphyxiation takes place. It is principally known from classical antiquity, but remains in occasional use in some countries. And as these soldiers would have performed crucifixions, carried them out, uh, I, I am sure that by watching many of them, each individual crucifixion was a little bit different, but each crucifixion was very much the same, and the death was very similar. Some recorded things about uh, a, a crucifixion and those who watched it. Hanging from the arms for any considerable length of time is painful. And so as you're thinking about that, think about that, that someone, obviously their arms are out, but even if your arms were, were over your head and you were hanging by a rope from your arms, how, how painful that would be. Once the muscles give out, it is excruciating because the soldiers, shoulders separate from the sockets, and the overall arm can lengthen by inches. Most people would try to support themselves by putting pressure on their feet, which were nailed to the cross, but even then, they, they would nail them in such a way that their, their, their legs would be at 45-degree angles. And so what I want you to do when you get home tonight is I want you to, I want you to see how long you can do this watching TV until finally you need to stand up and your your hamstrings start bothering you and and you can't hold your arms. I'm guessing it will be within a minute or two. For some of you hardcore people, maybe five minutes, ten minutes, maybe a half hour. But call me during hour three. And and then imagine what it was like for them as they are hanging there. And, And these soldiers, as they watched the individuals go through this, would know that they were getting closer and closer to death. Breaking their legs was horrible, but on the other hand, allowing them to support themselves simply prolonged their suffering. That is the death that Jesus had that is a death like many other. And I think one of the things that, that I want to make a point of tonight is this. And, and, and one of the, the things that, that I would say, g- g- having watched The Passion of the Christ, and maybe you've seen it too, it's a very troubling movie. And, and it is a very physically gory movie. But I would argue that The Passion of the Christ doesn't necessarily capture the main part of Jesus' suffering. Because the main part of Jesus' suffering as he went through a crucifixion, many people went through that type of suffering. But Jesus went through a different type of suffering on the cross, and that was a spiritual suffering. The suffering as he was separated from God, as he yelled, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that is what makes Jesus a death like none other because Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the lamb of God. Jesus is the one who came to suffer in our place. Jesus is our savior. And so his death is like none other. And we're going to look at a few verses that point this out. First Peter 3, uh, 3 verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. That's a death unlike any other. And why in the blank you can write, it was a death of the righteous for the unrighteous. It was a death of the righteous for the unrighteous. Why is that different than every other death? Because every other death that had ever taken place was a death of the unrighteous for the unrighteous. It was was unrighteous for the sins that they had committed. Every death that had taken place up to that point was the wages of sin, was the payment for an individual's sin. The soul that will sin is the one that will die. And that makes sense to us. We call that justice, don't we? When someone does something wrong and, and there's a punishment and a payment for what they've done, that is just. The thief on the cross next to Jesus understood that when he said, leave Jesus alone. We are being punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. And with those words, he he summarized this truth. It's, It's the unrighteous, or excuse me, it's the righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus dies to pay for my sin, for your sin, to bring us to God. Jesus Christ, true God and true man, going to the cross to be our substitute, to make the payment for sin once for all. Our next passage is from Romans 8, verse 11. And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And notice, especially those highlighted words. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. And why is is Jesus a death unlike any other? Because the death of Jesus gives life to those who believe in him. Think about this, that that when a person dies, we know this, that, that when a person dies... It, it, it seems like it's over, right? That, that we look at death as, as the end of our time here on this earth. And, and so when, when a person dies, we, we, we have come to accept that. And, and in many ways, we come to expect that. But Jesus is just the opposite that through his payment for sin, we have life that starts right now. The life to our mortal bodies is first of all the the light of faith, the life of faith, that, that believing in him as our savior, recognizing his payment for sin and his great love for us, that we live now and it's also life as we live for our God, the Holy Spirit inside of us as we live for him. How else is the death of Jesus different John 19, verse 30. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And how is that different? In the blank, you can write, in his death, Jesus' life was given, not taken. Jesus' life was given, not taken. And at this time, I want you to get out your nail again. And I want you to look at that a little bit and, and, and remember, we, we've thought about this symbolically that, that we, we think about our sin and, and as Jesus is nailed to the, the cross, it's our, our sins that put him there and, and that's, that's what, what held him to the cross. He was fastened with these nails, right? And in that way, it can be very symbolic. But I remember, man, I, I don't even how long ago it was. It was back, uh, one of my nieces, I remember going to her house uh, for... For Easter, and uh, man, I, I still remember the conversation, because they lived in Kansas, and, and I happened to be there on a seminary choir tour, and we happened to sing at their church on Easter, and so I, as I got there, my, my niece was maybe uh, eight years old, seven, eight years old, something like that, and, uh, and I said something like, oh, tomorrow's Easter, you're going to be getting an Easter basket, Right. And she said, yeah, it's Jesus rising from the dead. Isn't that awesome, Uncle Dan? I'm like, oh yeah, that too. Forgot about that. And that's when she told me, I need to tell you something I learned in Sunday school. And that is the nails didn't keep Jesus to the cross. They didn't hold Jesus to the cross. But his love for all, all people held him to the cross. And I just still remember that as, as she had learned that at, at such a young age. And, and that hearing that through the the mouth of a child, uh, to me, a seminary student, really went deep in my heart. And, and as we look at that, remember that too. As we look at what held Jesus to the cross, yes, he needed to go to the cross to make the payment for our sins. And in that way, each one of us is responsible for the death of Jesus. But Jesus went there not to have his life taken, but to give his life. To give his life in love. And so now as we look at this nail, the same nail that is a symbol of of our sin, is also a symbol of Christ's great love for us. And so we bring these nails, and we'll be doing this in just a moment. We take them to the cross of Christ, and we leave them there. We leave them there as a reminder that our sins are fully and completely forgiven. And the final way, Jesus' death is, is different. John 19, verse 30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. Hopefully, you have heard those words before. It is finished. When when you hear them, I I hope you think of uh, the the words, the Greek words that were used there, which means it was paid in full. So, So, some of Jesus' last words it is paid in full. And what he's talking about is our debt of sin, the debt of all people, for all sin, for all the world. That at the cross, Jesus said, It is paid in full. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Every individual in this room, I am forgiven. Jesus has won this forgiveness for us. In the blank, you can write, Jesus' death was not the end, but the beginning. Jesus' end was not the end, but the beginning. As we leave here and talk about death, maybe I'll end with just... Reminding you of what death is. Physical death. What is physical death? It is simply the separation of body and soul. And and so as we look at that and and we understand that, that one day that is going to take place, that is going to be a day when you are given a huge gift. And that is when your soul leaves your sinful body. And and maybe it will come sooner or maybe it will come later. Maybe you will be left in, in a bed someday saying, Lord, come quickly. Lord, do me a huge favor. Take me home. Take me away from this world. Maybe for you or someone you love, you might feel like it's too soon. That you'll be like, Lord, not not yet. Lord, I, I don't want this to end. But the reality of it is, is as we look at that, that, that soul and body separating, we remember that at the last day, soul and body will be brought back together, and it's called the resurrection, except we will be without sin and without pain and without all of the hurts of this sinful world. So that's, that's physical death, but then there's spiritual life and death. Spiritual death is separation from God. That is what Jesus experienced on the cross. That was the pain that Jesus endured for us. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was experiencing hell on earth, this separation from God. How this is possible, I don't know, that the Son of God could be separated from God the Father and endure that hell for us. But as we look at that separation, that eternal death is, is separation from God that that is something that none of us ever needs to go through ever again, that that death, spiritual death, is something we don't need to face because we'll never be separated from God. That death does not separate us. Even though our body and soul separate, that our relationship with God through this world, when he is with us, giving us life, continues not only through this life, but through the next. Death does not affect it in any way. And that is why we can call a day like today Good Friday. Maybe Black Friday, but we call it Good Friday because in Good Friday, we see a death that is like none other. The death of Jesus Christ, true God and true man, Jesus, the Son of God, who has taken away our sins for an eternity. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you are an individual like none other. You are the son of God. As I already said, true God and true man, Lord, unlike any other, and so your entire life, your death, your resurrection, your triumph, all of that, Lord, is like none other. And, and in it, we see our great need for you. Help us now on, on Good Friday uh, to be somber because of our sin and understand our, the, the role we had in bringing you to the cross. But, Lord, help us also to to see you as the victorious Savior who took all of those sins and paid for them in full. And, Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, Head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan.
1: Our final reading is The Burial of Jesus. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, Who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting opposite the tomb. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, remember that while he was still alive, the deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception would be worse than the first. Take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. This is the word of the Lord.